Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Jock Mailbag Podcast. It is episode 8, we're heading into round 9. Is that right? Round 9? Yes. Heading into round 9. You've already heard Clarky. How are you going, mate? I am up and about. Uh, raised some ranks this week, which was great. Melbourne, 7-0. and Fun times for me. I'm very nervous about going to the football on Saturday. I was actually wrong. We're going into round eight, so not not a good start, but we do have a good guest. Uh, we've got the Phantom here. How are you going, Phantom? I'm well, thanks. I was just about to correct you on that round eight, but pleasure to be here. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, pre-podcast, we were looking at our buys, and I had creeped ahead in the sh- fixture and had no idea where I was at. So, you know, that's... Well, I've that kept you fun. waiting a while, so it's probably, it's, it's probably almost round nine. <laughs> it's good to finally have you on um we will get straight into the questions lots of people asking about the forward line because honestly the forward line is awful this year so far everyone's gone down with injury at some point and we don't know when some are returning and some are out for the long term like josh dunkley we'd have to deal with in uh, previous weeks so we'll start with the first question from the evil one on twitter great name do we ignore the train wreck that is the forward line and just concentrate on building the rest of our team? It's a good question. I, I covered it this week in the burning questions uh, on our websites earlier uh, on Monday. And it's something I'm looking to do definitely. You know, you look at the top guys and then you, if you include the danger fields and Zach Butters and injured, Rowan Marshall just getting back into it. After Shea Bolton, who was good last week, Dane Zorko recovered after that slow start. But then... You look at the next group, Bailey Dale, Jack Darling, Tom McDonald, Cozzy Pickett, and Nick Hyde. You read those names back to yourself a few times and have probably got your answer, I think. So even though there is some value there and some guys are playing some new roles and you know, Tom, in Tom McDonald's instance, he's, you know, he's, he's done it before. He's, he's scored in excess of 90. Um, you know, obviously, it's a lot to change in that Melbourne side since then. But I just think it's still a bit of a mess and train wrecks probably – you know, a good description um, from the evil one. The evil one as well, probably just good description for the forward line. But I just want to wait a little bit longer, a little bit longer to we can trust. We might not ever be able to trust some of those guys, but we'll trust them a bit more and know the makeup of that top eight. So it's something I'm definitely looking forward, looking at doing, sorry, uh, is looking at the midfield this week, especially. What about you guys? I must say that he didn't use train wreck as his word. He used pile of shit as his term, but we changed it to train wreck because it sounded better and cleaner. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking at the forward line and there's no one that stands out to me as a must have yet. There's no one that's screaming value. There's there's no one there's no clear top eight to ten players that you should be targeting. And most people would already have the main three of Zeeble, Martin, and MP anyway. Clarky? Yeah, I think the forward line is kind of not on my radar. I have MP, I have Zeeble, Josh Dunkley's injured. Rowan Marshall, I am kind of keeping an eye on, seeing how he gets back into it with Paddy Ryder and the team. Um, I think it certainly makes St. Kilda a better side overall, um, which means that we could probably see some decent scoring from them. But there's nobody who's jumping out going, get me this week, get me this week, get me next week. Um, especially when there's so much value to be had in the midfield and especially in the defense this week. Yeah, I agree. I think Rowan Marshall, like you mentioned there, he was a bit quieter last week, spent time out of the goal square. But we know he averaged 111 points in the final 10 rounds of last year and Ryder played in nine of those games. So he did really develop as that ruck forward split last year. So I think given out a couple of weeks and um, 
you'll be creeping into the must-have territory because, as we know, Ruck Ford, even though he's got the shares of staying by as Brody Grundy and Max Gorn, I think, you know, who knows what could happen in the next 15 or 16 rounds. We'll probably need that cover and um, might be soon time to, you know, to, to cash in Matt Flynn. Um, I'm sure might, a question might pop up about him a bit later. So we've talked about the possible value selections and the fact that no one's really screaming out as a must-have. Um, but Paul and Stuart have asked about three different players on Twitter. They've asked about Jack Darling, Jake Stringer, and uh, Cozzy Pickett and asking if they were genuine forward line options. So Jack Darling is 466K, averaging 91. Um, five out of his seven scores have been above 80. Last game was 123 versus the Dockers. Uh, Jake Stringer is a is 325K. He's averaging 82.6, but his average is hindered by that really poor score against Brisbane a few weeks ago. Uh, he scored 92 against the Blues and has quite a solid center bounce attendance numbers as well. And then you've got Cozzy Pickett as well, who um, is 415K averaging 88 um, and scored 97 versus North Melbourne on the weekend. Are any of those three players on your radar at all, Phantom? Uh, no, uh, especially not Jake Stringer. Um, I love Cozzy Pickett as a player, but I don't think he goes up from this point in terms of his scoring this year, at least anyway, maybe one for the future. Uh, Jake Stringer, you know, could be coming at 140 this week and it could be 35 the week later. So I don't think I can trust him. Jack Darling could be the only one. We know uh, he has scored well in the past, um, not consistently. Um, it's something we discussed on the Fandoms Lair podcast this week. Uh, for listeners out there that know the hipster, his history with, with Jack Darling in the past, and we did bring him up. Is he a legitimate option? It's it's still hard to say yes, but out of those three, he's the one I'd be keeping an eye on. But you know, you have to be ready to to ride the roller coaster with him because away from home, especially sometimes, could be a very very down which slope. So, Phantom, if you were picking one of those three, Jack Darling is the one that you would definitely go for. Yeah, I wouldn't pick one of those three, but if Paul or Stuart <laughs> wanted one of those three, I would go with Darling. Yeah, just to be clear, we don't advocate for any of these three. Um, you guys agree? I think you're. I think, I think it's hard with um, particularly three round averages because they can kind of show you exactly what you want to see in a purple patch. I think Jack Darling's one twenty three against. Um, uh, sorry, Damo. A pretty dominant win over Frio on the weekend is. Should we just call just... them Peel, given their injury list? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, there's um, Jake Stringer, key forward. He's going to be up when he kicks five goals. He's going to be down when he has very little impact. Cozzy Pickett, I think you would have had to pick him on the way up as kind of an outside chance. Um, you know, probably a little bit of personal bias here, but I've been to a, you know quite a few Melbourne games this year, and they are starting him a lot in the center square. And you know, if you watch the North game, a lot of his running, they're using a lot of his run and carry throughout the field to sort of get the ball up there, which is why he's scoring quite well. Um, but I think Vance probably right on the money with the, I think he's probably at where he's going to be, um, which is at 4.15, you're probably just going to wait and see to see who really pops up in another you know few rounds or post buy. Speaking of value, we'll move to the other end of the ground now. And everyone's sort of talking about Stephen May this week because at 408k, he's undeniable value. But uh, Corey has sent an email in asking if, he should stick to his original plan to bring in Sam Walsh or bring in Stephen May because of the, the value? Jeez, good question. You guys will know my love for Sam Walsh. He's not going to get 
a lot cheaper, 606k, back-to-back 130-point scores. He's sort of not going wrong there, but I still think as good as he's been and as much as he's probably now a you know top three or four midfielder potentially, uh, you just can't overlook, especially in a year when cash generation is hard going for some. You can't overlook Stephen May, I don't think. You know, the seven-point score, he was injured. Uh, obviously, that big elbow from Tom Hawkins, that's the only reason he's cheap. There's no down game. There's no form slump. It was just that week, and we saw how good he was um, on the weekend against North. And you know, he can win it back in the air. He's good. We know how good he is in the air, but it's his kicking this year that's really gone to another level, I guess, at the back end of last year too, and Melbourne really looked for him. They like to come back across the ground, get the ball in his hands. If you know, if you take out uh, that game against the Cats, you know, his 15.8 effective kicks per game ranks fifth in the competition of all players. So he's not just an efficient kick out of defender group. He's one of the most effective kicks in the whole competition of any position. So I just think, personally, it's just too hard to overlook as much as I like Walsh. What do you guys reckon? I think if your plan was to get Sam Walsh, there is merit to stick into your plan and bringing in Sam Walsh because he is a good player. But the 200K that you save from going to Stephen May instead, that might help you later down the track, especially considering rookies are starting to drop off injuries are starting to happen and cash generation from a lot of teams is stalling. So I think either way you, you're pretty much winning. Um, but I'm pr- sort of leaning towards bringing in Stephen May instead. Uh, so I, I am an advocate for Stephen May, but to play devil's avocado, um, Sam Walsh is on a really hot run of form. The big concern I have about Stephen May is the recent uh, presser that Simon Goodwin gave out where mm-hmm. they did point out. So Adam Tomlinson has gone down with an ACL. We know that really rough break for the D's. Tomo's had a really good season, um, you know, and is really on a good run of form, but they're not moving Tom McDonald to replace that role. They're bringing in Harry, Pe- uh, sorry, not Harry Petty, Harry Petty, Tom Petty, yeah. Petty. Uh, I get that mixed up in my head for some Hopefully reason. Hopefully not Tom Petty. Petty. They're bringing in... Yeah, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why that's in my head. Anyway, um, so they're bringing in Petty to replace Adam Tomlinson. So if you were a very cautious type, you could probably make a case to go, well, look, the price, Stephen May is at his bottom price now. He is going to go up but he's not going to be unattainable next week if you want to see how that role, if that role changes with the new structure that they're going to be running in their defensive line. Um, Sam Walsh is also a good option, but I think ultimately the cash move is to bring in Stephen May and kind of ride that because I don't think he's going to average less than at 90 at the lowest, and that would take some a good run of poor games. Yeah, just it is an interesting one what they're going to do defensively. I, in round one um, against your mob demo, the Dockers, he was very good in the air, Stephen May at the MCG, and marked almost everything. Last couple of weeks, especially on the weekend against North, most of his scoring was done um, going the other way by foot. So I think he can still get on the end of the footy like that. He's still going to take the kickouts. He's still going to be there in the pocket for the switch back. He's still going to um, be the guy to, to come out the defensive 50 when they're not using Christian Salem even if he's playing on Buddy Franklin this week. I think, yes, he might not. He's, if 
his intercept numbers and maybe his mark numbers could potentially go down if he does have to lock down a bit, but I still think he's good enough. I still think Melbourne want him to get on the end going the other way. So, yeah, interesting one, I think. And I guess that brings us to the next question from Matthew. Is Stephen May better value than Caleb Daniel, who is also at a cut price following his poor game a few weeks ago? Uh, Interesting one, yeah. Again, I think he is. Um, Caleb Daniel, we know how good a distributor he is as well, doesn't have that intercept game that May does possess when he is allowed to play a bit more freer. So I think... The scoring avenues to May, as well as you know the rise of Bailey Dale and just how many sort of good ball winners they've got back there, um, is probably I've got May just ahead. I love Caleb Daniel as well, but I've got May just ahead because of those reasons. Yeah, I I was one of those people. I jumped off Caleb Daniel uh, quite early on his run of poor games, um, mostly partially as a panic move. But also, I'm not in the camp of bringing in a guy that I've already traded out for poor scores um, until he can kind of show that he's going to be back up there. So I think Stephen May has a better track history, as Phantom said before. Stephen May's only poor game was because he had a fractured eye socket, which is you know pretty, which happened pretty early on in the game as well. So that seven is is what's really bottoming out his price. So Caleb Daniel was playing full games; he wasn't injured. There was, there was no other reason apart from that shift in role and how they were using some of the guys in the Dogs team. So I think you could probably wait on Caleb Daniel to see if that form returns. And if it does, you, you could catch him before he's 500k and bring him back in. And when does the value of a trade outweigh your buy around structure? Because Caleb Daniel has the round 13 buy, Stephen May has the round 14 buy. Um especially if you've got lots of players with the same buy round, when does that sort of have to factor into your decision? Oh, yeah. Uh, another good question from Alex. <laughs> we just, you know, you talk to different people around the KFC Supercoach community and some, you know, have got their whole buy plan and structure worked out. Some haven't even thought about it yet. It's definitely something we definitely need to consider. And I guess if you're, you want May, but um, he throws that round 14 out of whack even further. You can check that, you know, Supercoach Plus. If you're not a subscriber now, get on there and that's all the information you need. But you're going to be upgrading. You, know, you, you look at your team now, it's going to look different by the time round 14 comes. And that's how you have to, um, that's how far ahead you have to plan. So you have to know what guys you're going to potentially look at upgrading around the buys and, um, Obviously, you're going to do some upgrading after round 12 and after round 13. That's going to help you in round 14 anyway. So does one extra one extra player right now affect that? Who knows? It's hard to, hard to tell. If you're really, really weighted to round 14, um, then it's, it's, it's worth considering Daniel because that could become really important. But um, if you're only sort of just tipping over um, – at the moment, I don't think it's too big, too big of an issue, but who knows, that could come back to bite me. Clarky, what's your view on this? So I am, and I'm very happy to admit this, I'm not an ultimately pragmatic person when it comes to super coach planning. Um, a lot of it I do on gut feel uh, and just intuition and all the great uh content from you know you guys over the advertiser the Vic, Vic team over here with Tim Michelle all the great podcasts and stuff that's out there I think it depends on your current structure so the value of like you know if you're really really 
going to struggle and you're going for overall, it's definitely something you should start to consider with your upgrade structure. But, you know, the best advice would be just to sort of just sit down, write it out, maybe see who you want to target and see who you're going to bring in and then bring in someone at the opportune time can definitely assist with that. If it means that you miss out on a Stephen May because you feel more comfortable with that as an overall strategy, then by by all means, you should do what you feel comfortable with instead of taking risks that then might throw everything you want to do even further down the line. Um, as Phantom said, your team's going to be very different from now until the end of round 14. So, you know, plan ahead, but you got to also strike while the iron's hot in some cases. And in round 13, you're likely to trade in players who have already had the round 12 buy, and in round 14, the same with the players who had the round 13 buy. So you sort of yep. fix your team in a sense doing that as well. So I don't know if it should completely stop you from bringing a player in, but I don't think the buy round should be the, the determining factor be- between two options that you have in front of you. Yep, I like that. Well said. Um, so I guess... We'll go to the next question. Ben sent an email. He was asking about his cash league, but we'll talk more in a general sense. When we do the planning for the buy rounds, is planning to be poor in one of the buy rounds a good idea? I will start with the cash league. If 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 you're a league focused KFC super coach, then you, know, you don't mind that idea. You take two wins out of out of three rounds for sure. But for the rest of us uh, that focused on the overall side of things that I've never um, gone into the buy rounds or gone into a year um, deliberately trying to be weaker in a certain week. It's obviously a couple of times I've been weaker in a certain week without trying, but um, I try to even it out. I think that is the best strategy when you're trying to um, hold or rise uh, in the overall rankings. I think definitely rise because some coaches who've had good starts you know, won't plan as much for the buyers and they might have used a lot of trades in the opening 11 rounds and they might not be able to make as many moves as, as you can do. As we know, we've got one extra trade available um, over the buy rounds, three to use per week. So given what's happened so far this year, there'll be plenty of KFC super coaches will be pretty short by that point. So I think trying to be balanced um, is, is the best way forward and best way up the rankings that, at that stage of the year. I can't help but feel uh, somewhat disheartened that everything that you just mentioned there was how I've been doing, having uh, <laughs> probably my best start to a season ever. Uh, and I am completely unprepared for buys. But uh, you're right. If it's a cash league, it's totally fine because it's, you're focused on your league. Your matchup might even be yeah. good that week. So you might even be able to get yourself across the line somehow. Um you know, top loading into one round isn't going to be a great strategy for your, ca- for your cash league anyway, depending on how you run it. But, you know, that's all new. Overall, definitely, you know, make those plans and try to keep yourself generally balanced. Um, but you may also just have to cop it where you maybe just don't do as well, but you're able to maintain where you're sitting in your overall rank. And like I said to the last question, you'll be trading in players who've already had the buyers heading into round 14, which is probably the round he's planning to be poor. So you'll be trading in the players who have already had their buyers most likely. So I don't think anyone's going to be completely terrible in round 14 like they think, because if you use that strategy, then you've sort of fixed your team up enough usually anyway. Um, But yeah, I'd, if for a cash league, it should be fine. In in general, you should be trying to score the best you can in all three buy round weeks. We'll move to upgrade season and looking at all that sort of thing. 
with the current season carnage, which I sort of assume Ben um, is talking about injuries, uh, cash generation issues, rookie drop-offs, and all that sort of thing, who should we be looking at for our midfield seven and midfield eight positions, given that we might not have a lot of cash to play with? Tom Green. I like Tom Green. I was thinking <laughs> I about Adam Chera. I was thinking about Adam <laughs> yes. Chera. He's going to drop to around 400K when he returns from injury, assuming he um, scores as projected, which who scores as they're projected anyway. Um, but then you've also got the likes of Rory Sloan, who's not going to actually change too much in value because his injury happened outside of a game, but he's going to stick around that 500, that 500 to 520 K mark for a little while. And so, Hey, so there's a couple of options of people who of players you can look at. Um, anyone else? Well, this is this is gonna sound crazy for uh, for me, but at the moment, looking at Tom Powell and James Jordan scoring, you know, high eighties, low nineties, isn't looking too bad at M seven, M eight at this stage in my life. Um, you know, there's definitely. I think Rory Sloan was probably one of the big ones, and Adam Chera, as you said, um, definitely someone I've been interested in all season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tom Tom Powell for sure. We saw my I saw firsthand what he did over here in the sample last year, and after um, being pushed up from half forward where he started and into that sort of first choice on ball rotation, a bit of time on the wing for North, you know, it's translated straight away. He's a ball magnet. He tackles as well. So I think, you know, for a long time, he could, if if he's okay to play this week and going forward, I think he can be an M8 for a long time. But also this question goes back to taking advantage of the value, even if it's a little skeptical now, we can afford to do it in this. You know, Josh Kelly, Tom Mitchell, we all have a few question marks about what they've done this year. Josh Kelly's role uh, obviously was better on on the weekend, but it's been a concern in the uh, opening six or seven rounds. Tom oh Mitchell, boy. a little bit different. Uh, it's contested possession numbers are the lowest they've been since 2015, I think. And, you know, our champion data told me during the week that he's 9.6 uh, metres per disposal um, you know, is one of the lowest of the top ball winners in the competition as well. So, but I think 507 and 508k, I think, you know, if you go on those guys and they can't get back to the heights that we're used to, um, and, you know, Tom Mitchell only, only averages just on 100, or Josh Kelly has some up and down and gets to just over 102, then that's a perfect M7, M8. You know, a lot of coaches will be happy with that in the end. So I think that's where you can sort of overlook um, some of the concerns we've got given. Um, the, the year we've had, you know, if they don't pan out exactly the way you want, I still think, you know, you'd be very, very happy with them at the bottom end of your midfield. Phantom, would you consider Patrick Cripps? Not yet. Um, no. Worried about him even more so. I wrote um, earlier in the week um, about why his scoring was down. You know, he's 41 clangers so far this year, the second most in the league, only Dane Zorko from the Lions, has more. He's given away 15 free kicks, which is ranked seventh in the comp, but his kicking, which is obviously on eye, we all know that's the thing that's letting him down. Um, his kick rating, a champion data stat of negative 8.9%, ranks 247th out of the 253 players to record a 50 or more kick. So 247th, Patrick Cripps' kick rating, and that's obviously letting him down big time. Scores of 64 and 65 in the past two weeks. So I won't be considering him 
uh, until we see some sort of turnaround. Michael on Twitter has asked what should be done with Patrick Cripps if you've still got him. Is he someone you have to hold? Yeah, in saying that, I, I, I did also say I think you have to hold him. I think the, the rookies, some of them anyway, you know, James Rowe, Heath Chapman now, sorry, Damo, in, injured um, shoulder reconstruction for him. Um, you know, Errol Gould, if you're still playing him on field, these are the guys you've probably got to get off your field and upgrade before dealing with the likes of Patrick Cripps. Sure, in five or six weeks, maybe even Colton's by, he's still struggling. Uh, you've got most of your rookies off field then, the perfect sideways, maybe not sideways anymore given his price fall, but that's when you probably look at fixing the Patrick Cripps situation if it doesn't turn around. Clarky? Uh, I think I think I'm with Phantom on that one. Um, I think at that point, hold him until you can maybe make a sideways, but deal with your other problems first because you know Patrick Cripps is going to be on field, but you know who's not going to be on field this week? Probably James Rowe. Um, or, you know, Tyler Brockman or Kaczynski, once he has a down game, is already, like, on the outer. Highmore, we're not sure if he exists apart from in the VFL. (laughs) Um, You know, take these guys who, you know, have job security because Patrick Cripps is still Patrick Cripps and he has that potential. Um, And if it comes down to it, uh, I'm kind of with fans if uh, Tom Green can pump out another ton. (laughs) uh, That's a perfect sideways. And as a Josh Kelly owner... I am also feeling sad for Tom Green owners because he's so good at what he does if Leon Cameron can let him do what he does best. Okay, here's a question from left of center from Jay on Twitter. Is Took Miller someone we should consider as a point of difference? Well, my friend the hipster is already at me uh, on Twitter uh, in response to um, the tweet about this show from you guys. said I've finally had a couple of weeks and I'm on the podcast circuit and sprouting my scores, but... I'll have to mention him here again. Took Miller's one he's been talking about for a while for me now. He, he actually said it to me on Tuesday as well. We brought it up last year when I laughed at him for considering Miller last year um, before his hot run of form. So just gets the job done. You know, he worked. We talk about how hard Sam Walsh works. Took Miller is very similar. He works hard, harder than a lot of guys out there. He gets to more contests than a lot of guys out there. And you can't argue with those numbers. 578K, pretty good price as well. He's just he's just still not a big name in the comp, and that's why he's probably overlooked a bit more. And, you know, eight months, six, seven months ago, you would have said, is he a top eight midfielder? I said no at the time, but, you know, average 111, that's right in there at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I don't mind him as a pod. Any love from you guys? I know Baron uh, is a huge fan of Took Miller. He even mentioned that he's one of his favourites to watch outside of his own team, Adelaide. So I'm sure he would be all all over this as well. Um, I, I I do like Took Miller as, as an option, especially considering his high ceiling and the fact that he does like to get on the end of balls. And he seems to be their main clearance player at the moment in the absence of Matt Rowell. So who knows what happens when Matt Rowell does return later in the season if Took Miller can keep up these numbers. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Took Miller. Um, love the way he plays. It's very super coach friendly as well as obviously by his results. But I think it's just, it's it's nice to have someone as well who you can watch them play and you're just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're doing it. It's like, you know, owning Sam Walsh and watching him have a great game is even better than just seeing Sam Walsh play good football. So I think he's a great pod for 578k. You can absolutely do worse. Final question of the night. Something that we all want. Are Thursday team sheets returning? That's from Craig on Facebook. Um, I don't think any of us have the real answer to this, but you think the answer is yes. 
thankfully, we think it is, yes, we saw the AFL... Um, post uh, tweet a poll the other day, which was never going to work in their favour, but obviously that shows where they're thinking as well, uh, Mark Robinson wrote on the Herald Sun. Um, on Tuesday as well that, um, you know, it's, it, he understands that it is Gil McLaughlin is the one pushing for the return of this as well. He's behind the return. So um, not this week, but who knows, potentially ahead of round nine, which would be would be huge and make things a lot easier for all of us. So fingers crossed. I'm not expecting them that quickly. I'm expecting them after the buy rounds, but if it can be implemented sooner, then that would be fantastic yeah. for everyone. Yeah, do it for our dream teams or whatever. Is that still <laughs> is that still a relevant meme? Are we have we moved on from that? Damo's mate over there. Or <laughs> your other other mate. <laughs> Phantom, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, guys. Hopefully, um, I've answered a few questions there. I haven't ranted on a little bit, but love the work you guys do. So thanks for having me on board. That's all right. Safe to say I probably wouldn't be playing Supercoach if I hadn't stumbled upon your content years ago. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to talk to you. And Clarkie, thank you again. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And um, Phantom, yeah, we're big fans of the guys you you and the guys over the advertiser. Uh, Hipster, Mr. KFC, Supercoach, The Eradicator, all you guys putting out some great stuff every week and your written content and everything like that. So, I mean, if anybody who's listening, if you're not already listening to The Phantom, go find him out. Go find The Phantom's Lair podcast. Go subscribe to Supercoach Plus. Go look at the advertiser and all the great written stuff. Uh, When you're done with that, you can come back and read all the great stuff we're doing at Jock. And, yeah, as Damo said, it's safe to say without guys like you, you know, we're being champions of the game. We uh, certainly would have probably dropped off a long time ago. Appreciate that, guys, and that's what makes Supercoach so good. We're I'm just I'm just part of the community as well, like every one of you. But Damo, just quickly before we go, I'm just surprised you didn't fake a question about uh, Andy Brayshaw. Oh no, he's already broken out. I don't need to put, to fake a question about that. I did jump back on last week, so very happy with his derby score. See you, community. Thanks for listening. See you, guys.